So this is the time of year uh, the calendar has, has flipped. Um, if uh, you're like us, this is when we put up the new uh, calendar that we got from Kate um, with her watercolor paintings, yes. Um, we, we put that up and uh, we, we're kind of all thinking, okay, this is a new year and things like that. So basically uh, the calendar year, as we typically think of it, um, is counting our orbits around the sun. And we kind of typically kind of say, okay, I've made it around the sun one more time. Um, I'm, you know, and we equate it to our age or a new season of life and things like that. Um, there's another calendar called the Christian calendar or the liturgical year. You may be familiar with it. And uh, that is an orbit around the life of Christ every year, leading his followers through the story of Christ. Um, from the anticipation of him coming as the Messiah through and including his resurrection and the promise that he's coming back. And so in the liturgical year, in the Christian calendar year, um, it, there's a set of readings that will lead us through this story of, the Jesus, uh, of Jesus' life every year. And we go over that and over that in a way that um, instead of us thinking about growing older, we grow wiser. Um, instead of growing older, uh, we grow more deeply embedded in the life that Jesus lived and the life that he wants us to live. And so um, with that in mind, uh, we celebrated Christmas, Christmas Day, uh, but in the Christian calendar, it's actually a season, and we are still in that season of Christmas. Um, so in other words, if you haven't gotten me a gift, it's not too late, is what I was saying. Um, no. Um, it's, 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 a, it's an opportunity for us to, to celebrate that Christ has come. We spent Advent, which is the beginning of the liturgical year, um, anticipating what it's like, the ways that God will be coming to us. Christmas, we celebrate his coming for these 12 days, and it, it ends up on uh, January 6th for Epiphany. And this is the uh, time where we will look in the scriptures at uh, the story of the Magi, uh, what we typically think of as the three wise men. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, and so with the anticipation of that, January 6th is a, what, Thursday this year, something like that. Yeah, um, we, I want us to, uh, to look at that, that passage. And so I guess the, it, when we think about the, just the regular calendar and, you know, different things that have to be done in our regular calendar year, and then we have this Christian calendar. And so the question for us to consider is which calendar sets the tone and the, the, uh, the direction for our life? What does it look like to let this life of Christ um, set the tone? And really, when I think of going through life, um, I don't think of going through life like this. If, if you're anything like me, this is more a picture of how you go through life. Kind of picture a spring that's laid down on its side. And that, that's a good thing, and especially when it comes to this liturgical year, because you are going, orbiting around the life of Christ, maybe not making progress in a beeline like what we would like in our Western society, but it's a way for us to grow and to learn and to deepen and to mature. And so with that in mind, uh, we're going to look at epiphany. Uh, what that means is basically it's, uh, the word means reveal um, or to bring to light. If someone 
can, you know, someone has probably said in a sentence that you've heard, um, I just had this epiphany, or the lights just came on. Something, something was revealed to them. And so this season, uh, this time of epiphany, specifically begins when the Magi were introduced to the Messiah, when they met Christ. And the, the Messiah, the promised one, the king, was revealed to them. And so we're going to read that passage in just a little bit. But the main thing that we can, uh, to kind of set this up a little bit, I want you to realize that the Magi were really the first non-Jewish believers in Christ. These were seekers who um, were astrologers, stargazers. Um, Magi, uh, it's the word that we use for our word magic or magician, I'm not saying that they were like these special hocus-pocus type people, but they might not be what you would consider your typical seeker in a church setting. Uh, Yet these were the people that recognized Jesus as the Messiah, even before all of the religious people in that community had. So there's a lot, I think, that we can learn from them. Uh, I'm going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Um... But before I do, I just want to give you a second to, to get quiet on the inside, um, to be still. And as I read this, uh, just listen to what stands out to you. I'm going to share a few principles that have stood out to me from this and points of application. But it could be God has something completely different that he wants to highlight for you. Uh, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Don't be fooled by that. That's not really what Herod was planning to do. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. I want us to think about the Magi as being uh, spiritual seekers. That's, That's really what they were. Um, these, these were people who were, were on a journey. Um, we, uh, you may think of them as the three wise men. That's kind of been associated more because there were three gifts 
Um, and so three wise men brought three gifts. More than likely, uh, these three plus people journeyed actually in a big caravan. There were probably a number of servants, a lot of people to help out. So you could kind of picture a pretty big group of people traveling together. Um, and, uh, and they offer their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you don't know what myrrh is, it's actually something that one of the Magi regifted from a company party. Um, not too many people know that in the scriptures. I'm just, that was free. All right. Um, sometimes the journey to Christ begins on a pathway that we didn't even know was going to lead us to Christ. I think that happens more than what we realize. Um, I believe it's Robert Frost in one of his poems that says that way leads to way. In other words, sometimes we're, this route maybe doesn't ultimately, doesn't in and of itself take us to where we want to go, but it leads us to another way, which leads us to another way that gets us to where we are supposed to go. And I think that's kind of the case with the Magi. And the more I thought about it, it's, it's probably the case for, for several of us as well, that we were on a journey in life. We were on a path that we thought was really getting us somewhere when really it just turned out to be a way that led to a way that eventually has led us to Christ. Or maybe you find yourself still on a way and wondering, is, is this the ultimate destination or is there something else out there? Um, and so... Uh, just again, turning to the people around you. Um, I hope I'm asking this question in a way that you'll understand it. What paths may someone take en route to an epiphany? What, what paths might someone take? And I'll give you uh, an example. Obviously, we have um, astrology for the Magi. That was actually what led them on the way, that led them to the way to Christ. Um, for others, maybe it's AA some kind of a support group like that, okay? I've got a few others in mind, but what? just turn to the people around you. What are some ways that, um, that the, uh, a path that someone may take en route to having an epiphany to finding Christ? Go ahead and talk about that for just a minute. Winston, I, I wish we could play a little Jeopardy music at times like this. That would be, that'd be great. <laughs> all right did you have a chance to to discuss one or two yeah what what were some of the paths the ways that lead to a way that that you mentioned in your groups family, family. okay yep to the example of family for sure what else sue 12 step group. group yep know several people with with that story it's a beautiful story yep yes sir. yeah yeah hardships health issues um crazy to think that we can have an epiphany in one of the darkest seasons of our life that a light can come on in a, in a moment like that but that's so true yeah loss yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sue? Dark fear. <laughs> Dark fear? Yeah. Just in fear? Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Um, you know, I think of, uh, Sue, I even think of, uh, kind of, this is kind of for loss, made me think of this in difficult times, but 
um, for someone who loses everything in a fire and yet still manages to find God in the midst of that. That's a big part of your story. Um, and so I, uh, I just, there's so many things that where way leads to way. And who, who would have guessed if, you know, if we had somebody that was really into astrology, who would have guessed that those were the seekers that were just this far away, just about to encounter Christ? If, if you're like me and you grew up in church, you might think, well, there's one path, and that is you, you go to church, and you read your Bible, and make sure you're there all the time. Some people do find Jesus through church, but a lot of times we find him in ways that we hadn't even anticipated. Um, just serving. I wonder how many people have, have realized um, by, they didn't even know it at the time, but they were living like Christ as they were serving the poor. They were, they were fulfilling what Christ commanded us to do in that way. Um, it could be someone that pursues a whole different religion altogether, but through that, they come to know the truth of, of, of Christ. Um, having, a neighbor, uh, having a meal with somebody is another way. I, I think um, it's a great way to introduce people to Christ, um, and it's a reminder that I think God intended for us to share in a meal in a way that brings us back to Christ on a regular basis. That's how we'll wrap up here in just a minute. Um, I want to go back to this text. And um, I mean, these were basically they were pagan seekers. We can kind of Christianize this in some ways, but really these were people that were not sure who the Messiah was. Yes, they were interested in meeting him. Why were they interested in meeting him could be up for debate. But there's some things that, um, that stood out to me in their seeking that, that led me to think that they sincerely found Christ in their seeking. Um, point number one, the sincerity of one's seeking is not determined by the path as much as the willingness to kneel when you encounter Jesus. What stood out to me is they bowed in worship. Regardless of the route that they took, when they were in the presence of Jesus, they recognized the light came on. This is the one we are to worship. Um, I read it uh, in Matthew 2. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Sadly, you could, you could spend an entire lifetime studying the Bible and going to church and never really bow, never really submit. How earnest is our seeking? We, we tend to gauge it by um, how long we pray or how frequently we go to church or we do good things, but really when it boils down to it, are we willing to bend our knee and cry out to him as Lord? Saying we... We've got our kingdom, but it's your kingdom that we want to see coming to this earth. Um, verse 11 continues, uh, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In other words, their seeking led them to open up and to give away what they treasured. I think another sign of truly seeking and truly finding Christ is it brings us to a point where we 
live generously. We trust God with our lives, with the things of our life. And in a way, I think they were, they were able to give away their treasure, or I find that I'm able to give away what I treasure when I realize that Christ really is the treasure. And so our seeking, um, the path, the way that leads to a way, um, when we encounter Christ, we will want to, um, to open up and to give God those things that we treasure. And then verse 12 says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And I, I believe that when we meet Jesus, um, we don't take the same route through life again. Um, it changes the way that we walk through life. It changes the way that we think and our perspectives on life. Um, and so as, as we seek, there are so many ways that we can seek him. I mentioned at the, um, earlier, we gather together in groups during the week. Um, there are times when I know for so many of you, you set aside a time in the day or maybe several times in the day where you get quiet and you focus and you let your inner compass reset to the true north of Christ. Um, but these things are, are, are a means to an end that lead to worship, to bending our knee, to opening up and living generously, and um, for us to experience a transformed life. Now, there's kind of something interesting in this, that we, we seek him, but we also say he's everywhere. And we, if you remember um, a few months ago when we had the big whiteboard up here, and the bands, and the ways that we were created for oneness, and then we were separated from God by the choices, poor choices that we've made. Um, to say we're separated from God in some ways isn't true because God is still with us. Um, Emmanuel, God with us, he was with the people even though they, many of them did not believe in the Messiah. Um, so on one hand, we seek God even though we're with him or he's with us. So there's this omnipresence, but then there's also manifest presence. There's also just the ways that our eyes are opened up, an epiphany, a revelation where we recognize, wow, God is here, and there is something great that, that has taken place. You, you want to make note of that. And so with that in mind, I was thinking back to 2021. What are the ways that, that we as a church family encountered God? And we could each come up with our own list, and it would be really rich to, to put a big list like this together. Um, for me, the way to retrace a year like that is to go back through my journal. And so I went back to my January 2021 journal and started to read through the ways that we got to encounter God as a church family. And so I want to read through some of these revealings these uh these times when the lights came on and we encountered god and maybe we didn't know it at the time but this is what's great about reflecting and remembering is it gives us a, a, a better picture of wow god really was with us in that time so um the year began with a riot at the capitol and a contentious transfer of power our country was divided over key issues of race reconciliation and, uh, and the handling of the pandemic. Somehow, in a very divided year, God blessed Bay Marin with unity 
in 2021. Just it was a beautiful thing to see, knowing that we don't all have the same beliefs in some of those things that I just mentioned, but we come together, um, each of us, in our own way, bowing the knee to Christ. This past year included some heartbreaking losses and challenges. I'm thinking of Michelle's stroke, Kat's dad, who also had a stroke, Anne-Marie, what you have have been through. Um, I think of Clayton Chamberlain's sudden passing, Um, and that was our first time back in this building was uh, was for for that memorial service um kate had surgery um it just seemed like uh, in 2021 there were several of you that were caring for your parents in your home your mother or your father um and with that uh some of you said goodbye to a, a loved one to a, a mom or a dad and some of you were forced to say goodbye in a distance, at a distance from those people. And what I wanted to say about that was with all of those, those losses, um, we each felt the pain of those. A healthy body is going to feel pain elsewhere in the body. Um, and, and the way that, um, that I saw the, the care and concern and the compassion and the wow that I'm I I grieve with you. I hurt with you. Um, Those were beautiful moments to see. um, Just it was very. They were Jesus-like epiphanies as you as you carried one another's burdens. Um, Here's one maybe not many of you knew about: an underground gas line broke um, over. Actually, there were a couple of underground gas lines that broke, and we were looking at a huge bill. And it turns out it wasn't on us after all of that. And did not cost us a dime. Thank you, God, for that. Um, on Sundays, we uh, this time last year, we were beginning a new series with that acronym of growth. And uh, we talked about how we want to grow and, and to get healthy as a church. And a part of that was we had two growth groups that, that started up, one on a Monday night and one on a Wednesday night. And Oh, me of little faith, thinking, you know, maybe five or six people would enjoy something like this. That's we, I think we had 25 or 30 of us that went through that, and that's why we added the second night, and um, it was just so good to share, and um, it was just, for me, that was one of the, one of the many highlights. Um, there was also a formation cohort that Matt Crick led that a handful of us went through, um, Audrey, Angela, Kate, and myself along with others outside of our church, that was really, really rich. Um, in February, we said goodbye to Brian, the staff member, but not too long after that, we said hello to Brian, the elder. Uh, I thought that was just a God thing. Um, we began April with our first worship service in the breezeway. It was Easter Sunday, right out there. But to me, the epiphany was on the Saturday, seeing at least 30 of our family showing up just to serve, enjoying being together, and getting ready for Easter Sunday. As people just milled around, talked, served, and then that flowed over into Easter. And it was, to me, Easter Sunday was a beautiful weekend, just seeing how God did, did some cool things. The month of May included a series of goodbyes. Um, the Aguiars, uh, Christy and Hosias moved to Indianapolis. Um, 
and we had uh, a farewell party, a party to end all parties for Bill and Cashy that many of you were a part of. Um, we also said goodbye to Larry and Rebecca as they rotated off of the elder team. Uh, we didn't let them move to another state, of course, but, um, but again, it was through those times spent together and the ache that we felt was a sign that we had been loving well. We knew we were going to miss them because we loved them. That was a good sign. That was a really healthy um, ache that we shared. Um, June included a collection of summer-themed items for the ladies of the Gilead House. Uh, we began meeting weekly in the breezeway, slowly figuring out tech needs and canopy placement. Uh, and it was just great to be in the same space again after over a year of being in a little box and forgetting to unmute and doing all that crazy stuff. We were in the same space. And in any time, people like Doug and Winston and, and Jonathan, Jane, others that work their tech magic, it is always a God moment for me because I am, if it has more than an on-off switch, I am lost, okay? Um, so even those, uh, to me, can be an epiphany. How did God build somebody to do that, to know what that was like? Um, so Sundays during the summer were filled with a bunch of experiments that included spiritual practices. We did more group discussion. We did a panel discussion. We did a musicless worship service where we sat uh, by trees meditating on Psalm 1. Um, just so many God moments throughout the summer. Um, it was a God moment, um, not when Anne Marie said she needed to pull back from congregational care as much as when we realized that was opening the door for Kate to step in and how beautiful that has been. Um, July marked a return to the Mexico mission trip. Thank you, God, for that. Um, as, I, as I said, the return to this auditorium was Clayton Chamberlain's memorial service, and God's presence was palpable in that time together and in the time that we mingled afterwards. Um, I remember... Uh, just a, a beautiful evening at the Cedar House with the Minus Mary concert. Just a great time of uh, people together celebrating good music, good weather, good friends. Uh, we had a great taco Sunday. How many of us remember that and wonder why we didn't do that every week? Yeah. Um, it, just, it was another example of how joy and connection is so integral to who we are. And God has really gifted us with that. Um, Barbara Sabito, some of you may or may not know this, she waved a magic wand over in our storage center, student center, <laughs> and it is, it is a, uh, just cleaned it, cleared it out, reorganized, it's a beautiful place, and then right after that, uh, Dave led us in a, um, uh, took advantage of this newly cleaned up student center and led us in a really cool biblical narratives class in the fall that just had all kinds of God moments in it. October, the return of the church retreat. It was also the return of the flood to end all floods. It was a little crazy. Um, but the number of us that were on the church retreat for the very first time was such a cool part of that. And uh, just in general, speaking of the very first time, the, the new people that God has brought our way in the last year. If, if you really kind of, 2021 was your year to either come back to or to get started at Bay Marin, 
Was that, was that kind of the case for you, Sue, coming back then? Angela, you moved back from Oklahoma in 2021. Um, uh, KP, you, were, you had already been coming quite a bit. Tony, you are someone that is, uh, we are graced to have you with us. So I just was listing, uh, I took some time and just jotted down a bunch of names. I was like, wow, in 2020, I didn't know these people. And just how good it is that God has brought those people our way. Um, November was just a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. I had to miss two or three Sundays because I wasn't feeling good. And we had uh, Matt, who used to be our lead pastor, come in one week. We had uh, Ben Kearns from Marine Covenant come in and teach. And again, just the picture of the big body of Christ. And uh, God blessing us with unity and... Um, the Christmas Bazaar raised over $4,000 um, that we had here just um, three or four weeks ago. And I would think that many of you had an epiphany as you were eating pie that day as well. <laughs> so all of that, and I know you could add to it. And, and with that, there were journal entries that, you know, just kind of those individual God moments I had or, or times when our family experienced God's goodness um, epiphanies are not something that just happened in the Bible. We are blessed to encounter the all-present God in unique ways as he manifests his presence to us. So what does 2022 hold? Um, where might our Magi-like searches lead us? As I was reflecting on that, Matthew 28 is a passage that might be familiar with a bunch of you. It's when Jesus commanded us to make disciples. When he said to his disciples, I want you to replicate yourself. But this, uh, this verse, uh, verse 20, often gets overlooked because this is really where I think it would be so overwhelming were it not for what he said. Remember, I am with you always. Remember, I am with you always. So we always have an opportunity of some type of an epiphany, some way for, for our eyes to be opened to God and his goodness. Um, I do not consider myself a magi, <laughs> uh, an astrologer, but I do consider myself a seeker. My life is most full when I am full on seeking God. There was a time I, when I sought him as, um, as a teenager, but just because I found him then doesn't mean that each new day is not yet another opportunity for me to seek him and to find him. My life is at its fullest when I am waking up and beginning the day seeking him and continue to seek him throughout the day. Um, a couple years ago, I used the analogy from the life of Zacchaeus that my calling in life, I am called to climb a tree to catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus. That's the seeking. That's the magi in each of us. Um, what is the tree in 2022 that you can climb on a daily basis to catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus? And then the second half of that is um, I want to be a tree. I want to plant myself in a way that others who are seeking can see Jesus. So on one hand, we're a magi, we're seeking, but we're also a star pointing the way to Christ. And I think these are just beautiful uh, pictures for us to remember um, at this epiphany season. Um, as we 
turn our thoughts to communion. And again, this is just a, for, for many of us, uh, week in and week out, this is just a really powerful way for us to encounter Christ and his goodness, to be humbled by his gift to us. Um, I want us to just take a minute and, and to be still. Um, stillness and quiet um, is, is so important to us. My, my daughter especially uh, does not understand, maybe you've done something like this too, when I'm driving somewhere and I don't know exactly where I'm going and I'm, maybe I'm looking for a specific address, I have to turn the radio down. And Callie is always like, that you're using your eyes, not your ears. Why do you have to turn the radio down? But it's, there's something about it. It's, it's so distracting for me. And I, I think that we are wired in such a way that we, at times, we just need to turn down that inner noise so that we can have these epiphanies, so that we can see God in our midst. And so um, if it helps you to close your eyes and to bow your head, you're welcome to do that. But would you take a moment and just to, to be quiet in God's presence and prepare yourself for this special meal. Lord, as we take the bread we dip it in the cup, we, we ask that you would open our eyes to see you. Allow us to encounter you in a way that when we walk out of here, we don't take the same route that we used when we came in. Um, may, may our act of receiving communion this morning be a way that our knees bend and we bow to you and we say thank you. We thank you for this bread that was broken and blessed, representing your body that was blessed, broken for us. We thank you. We give thanks for the cup, for your blood shed for us. In our eating and in our drinking, may we remember your goodness. Open our eyes to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.